What's up, everybody, and welcome to the XU Podcast. My name is Andrew Widmer. This week, I'm joined by Bunt, who is a electronic folk music producer and DJ. Levi from Bunt is someone who I've been listening to for years, whether it be one of their many remixes that they have put out, debut albums that just dropped last month called Folk Tales, so go listen to that. And it's super clear that at the forefront of Bunt's music is the melody. The melody is what they really push, and Levi and I talk about how heavily influenced and inspired by Avicii Bunt is. When you hear a Bunt song, one of the first thoughts that pops to your head is, this sounds like Avicii, and that is a good thing, that is a high honor, and Levi takes it that way. Um, In my eyes, Bunt is single-handedly carrying the torch for electronic folk music, and is continuing to make incredibly unique sounding music, genres, songs in today's world. I think when Avicii died in 2018, the closest that you can get to the type of music and the type of sounds that he was putting out as far as melodies go can be found in Bunt's music catalog. Our conversation includes discussing what made Avicii so special and how Levi thinks his music would have sounded like today if he were still around. Um, We also talk about what makes a tattoo artist and his outlook on the EDM scene today as a whole. And he also tells me the goals that he has for Bunt, what's to come, what he's working, the direction he hopes to take the Bunt project, um, and what his music will be continuing to sound like. Um, And of course, he wants to work on a live show for Bunt. He loves live instruments, like live guitar, banjo, and he talks about all of this in the conversation. So our conversation covers a lot. And again, it was such an awesome time talking with him and getting to kind of see behind the scenes of a DJ and a producer who I've been listening to for so long. Super stoked that he came onto the show and I really think everyone's gonna like the conversation. You can follow Bunt on Instagram, at Bunt Music, and Twitter, at Bunt Music underscore. Um, And as always, if you enjoyed this conversation, let us know by interacting with our socials on both Twitter, Instagram, at X underscore U underscore pod. Really appreciate everybody listening to the show. My name is Andrew Widmer. This is the XU Podcast, and this is episode 26, my conversation with Bunt. All right, everybody, XU Podcast back for another episode, and this one I am super excited for. The past couple of weeks, I've uh, gotten kind of unique with the guests that I've had. Um, Alex Amaro, dance music journalist. Um, last week I had Victor visits who is a YouTuber. Um, and I think we're getting back to our roots with this episode in terms of guests, uh, because I'm joined by a producer, a DJ, and this one is special because I have been listening to my guest today for years, going back to college SoundCloud remixes, um, and someone whose sound has always stuck out to me for anyone that knows I'm a huge Avicii fan. It's the name of the podcast, XU. It's based off of an Avicii song. And my guest today, in my eyes, um, channels that magic of melody and what Avicii was doing in his music, but certainly brings his own, own flair. So I'm joined by the DJ and producer Bunt. Levi is his name, and he joins me from Germany, all the way from Hamburg, Germany. So we had to coordinate the times. Um, it's looking pretty nice where you are, Levi. It is. It is. It's like a it's like a studio where I just moved in, like I think one month ago. So okay. I finally have my own, own space. I'm not a bedroom producer anymore. Finally, there, there you After go. After years, I made it. <laughs> you've, you've graduated, and and your your resume speaks for itself. I mean, I'm sure so many people listening are big fans of your music, big fans of your sound. 
Um, you've got tons. I was looking through your Spotify and, and like just a huge catalog of music going back to, uh, I believe you started in, was it 2014 was when you, yeah. when you first started producing. Yeah. Cool. And I think like even earlier, I, I had like a project before Bunt and it was also super like I have it right now, super melodic and all that stuff. But yeah, it's been, um, it's, it's been some years. Amazing. Well, your sound is something that is so unique in today's dance music world. Uh, it's, a electronic folk, I guess, is the best way to uh, describe it, like blending guitars and, and banjos and amazing synths. But to kind of just get started, Levi, I would love to know, you've been making music as Bunt since 2014, um, and your debut album just came out last month, correct? Folk Tales, yeah. Um, which, yeah. was in, which was incredible, um, an amazing body of work. I've been listening to it pretty much nonstop, and it's really what inspired me to get you on the podcast um, so I'd love to hear just like a quick background, musical background, musical journey, and kind of where Bunt is today, uh, because I know you've done a lot and, and there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. So I actually um, didn't have any musical background in my family. So I, I, I couldn't play the piano and I didn't have any reference, but it all started when I um, listened to one by Swedish House Mafia. And I don't know if you remember the video, but I had this, um, the music video where I had that keyboard. I think it was like the keyboard is called the Teenage Operator or Teenage OP1. And the video showed like how they like, it's, it's, it's obviously fake, but, I, but it did like, oh, now we have the kick drum, we speed it up and then we have the baseline and it seemed so easy to reproduce. So we were like, oh, maybe I could, maybe I could do the same. That was like the, the sparking point to, wow, I just have a laptop and a headphone, so I probably could, could do that as well. And it was like the the starting point for for making music so it started with swedish house mafia and when i listened to prom it's by Avicii, that was like the, the turning point where i said like okay i want to do this forever and i mm -hmm. think many other producers had like the same the same background story at that time yeah yeah and and since then you've again put out endless amounts of, of songs remixes you just came out with an album um, I know that you toured with Griffin on his gravity tour yeah. in, in America, right? Um, yeah. So now kind of all these years later in 2022, who is Bunt today in terms of a producer? Like, where are you musically? Like, where are you at music uh, in your musical journey? Um, I guess in 2022 and as like, as you know, the dance music world is constantly shifting and, and changing and sounds become popular. Um, but you seem to kind of stick to your core, which is one thing I love. Yeah, I think like I, I actually never changed, which is, I think, kind of rare now what is currently going on in the in EDM music scene. But I remember like when I, I actually did like a little bit of different music before. It was not super folky, but when I listened to Hey Brother, it was like so, so fresh for me, like having acoustic guitar in an, in an EDM song, having trumpets and all that natural organic sound in an EDM, um, in EDM music. I... I stick to it and I've never changed. And I think I also never had that feeling of getting tired of listening to it because it seemed so timeless. Mm -hmm. Like this is what I also liked about Avicii. When you listen to his music, it never gets old. It's like I, yeah. I still listen to Hey Brother and Waiting for Love in 2022. And I think like these songs are probably made back in 2014, uh, 2013 or something. I think True was released at that time. So um yeah, I think I never really change and I probably will never change um, from the core of music that I'm doing, which is super melodic, always have and drop. And um, yeah. Yeah. And, and again, your, your sound is 
so unique in the sense that, um, like I said, I, I think, and I kind of want to lead this into talking about Avicii because it's clear that your sound, your approach to songwriting and melodies is heavily influenced by Avicii. So if you hear, yeah. I think, uh, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I know when I show your music to, to my friends, the first thing they say is, wow, this sounds like Avicii, <laughs> which I yeah. think is, is incredibly a high honor. Can you speak to like that influence and, and really how his death maybe um, affected you personally and maybe your music? Like, did it change anything about the way you approached music or really just like your overall influence from Avicii? Yeah, it actually never changed. So because I... It's like we said, my music is heavily, heavily inspired by uh, by his musical style, and I also made the same experience when I show my stuff to 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 family and friends and like new people that I uh, that I met. They always like, oh my god, this sounds like Avicii, and it's it's like you said, I I don't take it as a bad thing. I actually take it as a as a very good thing because it's like you you also said it's it's probably tough to to make this sound. I think it's not that easy because like finding melodies and good melodies is is in my opinion one of the hardest things and i'm and i'm yeah super proud to hear that but it's um his death affected me in some way that i was like okay someone has to keep his legacy alive because i think at that time nobody did the music anymore like everybody uh, were, were, was like doing his music in 2013 to 2016 and then he was the only one with kaigo that was like super melodic driven and i felt like i want to step into the gap that avici left and mm-hmm. want to continue in his legacy and even take it like a little bit more further in his style that he already did with what about adding a banjo what about adding fiddles and doing like doing it way 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 more folky than it already is and that's yeah. um, probably um how how his death affected my music yeah and and you do such an incredible job at it like i said it, it's i think it's it's right to take it as almost like a compliment because um, it's not like you're just like, oh, I'm just going to try to make an Avicii song. It's just you're using those influences, using those components that he was so amazing at. And you're clearly amazing at it too. I mean, your melodies are the first thing that stick out in your music. I would love to know, kind of just staying on Avicii for a little bit, what are your favorite Avicii songs? Um, and then on top of that, are there certain Avicii melodies that stick out to you? There might be different answers, but like, what are some songs that you've always gone back to? You mentioned a couple. I know that you recently posted an I'll Be Gone uh, music video um, on your Instagram, oh, which song. was beautiful on the it's piano. So good. Some yeah. fav- what are some favorite Avicii songs, some favorite Avicii melodies? I- I'd love to know. Uh, I think it all started with Levels. I think it, like, it was an idea on YouTube for like two years. And I was like, this is the, <laughs> the best melody I've ever heard. And I, and I can say for since he released it i never heard a better melody than, than doing this i think this is like the most iconic song in my opinion edm and you can't beat it i have no idea how you can like how you can beat this song but this is like the the first song where i was okay this is my favorite artist for the next 100 years till i die and then after that i think it was 100 hey brother where everything where everything changed from um going from typical progressive edm to something more folky and when i look back i recently listened to waiting for love again and this song is yeah the melody is so insane because i i have no idea if you if you saw my instagram post but when i was in portugal there was this guy with the bluetooth speaker Mm -hmm. where you could pay him two euros and then he plays the song that you wanted 
and it was like funny because then I then I put on some songs and you know how iconic these melodies were like I put on waiting for love and when this plug comes in with the, 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 the like the whole people shouted this melody so I knew like this this is also one of my all-time favorite songs so I would say waiting for love um levels and hey brother yeah, and I mentioned to you before we started that my favorite Avicii song, and, and what's amazing about Avicii is the fact that he has so much. It's always constant, kind of changing. Like songs, kind of like re reapproached to like I'll be listening and I'll be like, wow, I forgot about this one, or like, wow, this one I'm I'm really into. But I think overall, yeah, actually, and, too many. You're right. Yeah, actually too many. I probably and, forgot about. And, yeah, you can you can go all day just list like you know what are your favorites, and and obviously he kind of had different eras where. His last album was obviously different than his true album. I think for me, XU will always be one of like the magical, just I heard it and was like, this is like no other song I've ever heard, especially the original yeah. song that's like seven minutes long. It's why I named the podcast this clearly. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, you, you actually mentioned that you were part of like the writing process. If you want to talk about that for that, that XU song. Um. Or, I think or I, in like the competition that they had or, or whatever it was. I think I took like, I actually have to, to check if I have the project or like the, the, the part that I was working on still laying around. But I think I took part in the breakdown. I think like they were looking, I have no idea how the whole project worked out. Did they like um, say like, okay, we, we all now have one week to submit a melody and then we have one week to submit a break. Did you, do you like remember how it worked yeah. again? Or was it just like you could pick something and then you have like a certain time frame yeah, where so you could I deliver all your stuff? I think for Avicii's XU, they had, they outsourced a lot of it and they, tr they gave out the stems to the project and they pretty much said yeah. like, create a kick line, create a bass. And then in collaboration with fans, like he kind of made the song. So it was some, some form of contest. I'm not exactly sure the, how it worked, but um, you remember taking part in that? Yeah, I think it was only taking part uh, at the break, at the breakdown part. So right after the drop, you have like this second verse. And then I worked there. I have no idea why it didn't work on a melody at that time. I have like literally no idea. I just know that I worked on the break. And it was super weird. And I, I also uh, remember that it was so, so his sound. Like, just try to recreate what he is doing. What I think was the wrong, um, the wrong thing. Because I think what he wanted is to go into his direction, but still having something fresh. And that's why probably I didn't get picked on. But there were so many yeah. people probably... He yeah. got like a thousand submissions on the break. So yeah. <laughs> I don't take that don't person at all. Yeah. It's all fine. But I remember that I did this. Yeah. Cool. So one, one more thing about Avicii, and then I want to kind of trans transition to your music, but he was always pushing new sounds and, and his sound and kind of new boundaries. I'm curious what you think. And I have this conversation with friends and, and I kind of just think about it. If he were still around today, in 2022 what kind of music do you think he would be kind of pushing like what kind of sounds do you think he would have maybe got into melodic house or would he you know or versions of his music I, i'm curious what you think that would sound like i think he would probably go away from folk and maybe turn into rock he has that song with billy billy joe billy joe armstrong, armstrong. yeah yeah, never no came out. Woman. Yeah, never yeah. came out. I love the lyrics. I love the lyrics. So awesome. Like, so, as a man, you can relate. It's so yeah. funny. But like, yeah, um, I think he this was like super heavily rock influence, and I guess that we that he would probably turn into that direction because I think um, 
his last EP was probably more reggae influenced. I think it was like around 90, 100 BPM and super reggae, what I felt like. But I guess he would turn a little bit into rock, which would be super cool because I think people that are now hyped like Machine Gun Kelly and all that stuff, he would yeah. super, he would like fit super well into it. So totally. I guess he would, he would go into that direction. Yeah, ain't no pleasing a woman is one of my favorite IDs from from Avicii, and it's it's a bummer yeah. it never came out. Um, so like many Bunt fans, I really discovered you through your remixes, um, SoundCloud. Just like I love the songs you select to remix. I love your catalog of remixes, both on yeah. Spotify and on SoundCloud. Griffin, Avicii, One Republic, Vance Joy, Sandro Cavazza, Arizona, just to name a few. There's plenty more. Um, can you speak a little bit on the remix process? How is it different than an original? Um, how do you go about choosing these songs? Do they come to you? Do you go to them? Um, I'm, I'm always curious about that. It's actually the same how I uh, work on original songs. So like 90% of the work process that I have is I get demos by my manager. And I work, so so these demos are like super stripped down. It's only like an acoustic guitar and a vocal and that's it. And you know, it's like, oh, the song itself is good. Can you send me the stems for it? So I just have like the single acapella file and the single guitar file. And I actually don't do anything else um, on the remixes. So most of the remixes are also super stripped down, especially if you have like folk songs or like Vance Joy Riptide is actually just a guitar, a little bit of slight, like super low on the volume wise drums and the vocal. And then you have like um, an AI tool called um la 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 dot io i have no idea how these things work but you can drag in a song and it separates for you the acapella the guitars and the and the drums and i basically doing actually the same how i do originals i just okay. take it as an original song like a demo and then i work on it and then i'm releasing it so you can actually think of the remix that i was doing for when show from republic is um, could be Austin original if I got these songs as a demo. Okay, cool. Yeah. Now, when you do these remixes, are they just songs that you listen to and you're like, I've got an idea, or like, you know, I want to, I want to remix this. I really like this song because it seems like obviously the artists that you choose to remix um, kind of fall in your your like sweet spot of artists that I imagine you're you're fans of, like like Vance Joy, like um, Arizona or One Republic. Yeah. So like in my free time, I don't listen to EDM at all. I always listen to, to mm. like more indie and folk stuff because I like if you're going to the studio for eight or 10 hours and you're just doing EDM, you don't want to listen to it again. And you probably get you get influenced by but not in a good way. If you still listen to EDM music when you are like on the way to the studio in the train. So I mostly listen like to to folk playlists, folk pop playlists. And that's how I discover songs. Yeah. But there are like songs that you don't need to discover because like Mumford and Stunts there are songs like Little Lime Man, everybody knows them. So mm. I, I think on the Folk House mixtapes on chapter one or two, I just took the ones that everybody knows. And then I dived more into it and also worked on remixes for people or for um, bands or artists that are not that well known. And yeah. yeah. Very cool. And you kind of just touched on it, but I feel like you are, I think you can make the argument that you are single-handedly like carrying the torch for electronic folk music in today's, music world like if somebody thinks of electronic folk music they're thinking of bunt and that is a testament to what you've done um what yeah. are your thoughts and i know you said you don't listen to it that much but do you have thoughts on like the current edm scene um you obviously see like a lot of tech house like become popular and i'm not sure how it is in germany obviously this is just from like my it american is. yeah it's so yeah. present here 
So what are your thoughts on the scene today and, and just kind of where, you know, obviously you had the progressive house boom of 2010, 2011, 2012, yeah. um, and, and where we are today, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, like, 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 like you said, EDM music had like prime time, probably 2013 or something when the whole thing with after movie or festivals was going on. I remember the first after movie of Tomorrowland that blew up was like in 2012 and Nico and I, we were like seeing this after movie and say like, oh my God, what is this type of music called? And we need to go to the festivals. I think this was like peak time EDM music. And at that time we had like role models like Avicii, Kaigo, Martin Garrick, Swedish House Mafia, Alesso. And they were all like such inspiring artists and everybody wanted to start making music because of them. And what EDM is missing right now is what I call tattoo artists. So people that you would get a tattoo of like here, Avicii. I've got and mine. I've got You also got one. Yeah. It's on my, it's on my <laughs> thigh, so I'm not going to take my pants off. But it, yeah, I've, I've got it. I saw you Feel had free that. to do it. Now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like tattoo artists are for me artists that could be like your favorite all-time musician. And they help you going through tough times through good times all over the years like you don't listen to them for two years and then you forgot about them so you listen to them over the years and these are also uh, also artists where you have these crazy fanboy moments like you just start to wear your head backwards you start oh my god he wears that and that shirt i'm also gonna buy that shirt and wear that too or you start cutting your hair like them oh now he has blonde i'm gonna dye my hair too and these are the fanboy moments that you only have for these artists and I think what we have in EDM right now is far, far away from that because we, like 90% of the people that are doing EDM right now, they just adapt to genres. Like these artists probably started to make Progressive House in 2013. Then they switched to the Chainsmokers sound, which was like, I think Future Base called. Then they started going to Deep House, then to Slap House, and now they're doing all covers. I want to exclude Kaigo from doing covers because he's still a legend. Yeah. But like these are... Yeah, it's in my opinion far, far away from that, which is super sad what I think because you can't relate to this artist anymore. It's just like, yeah, he's now doing different music and probably next year is going to do like different music too. And yeah, it's just, it shouldn't sound too negative, but it's just like something that's been on my mind and supports me in a positive way to continue what I'm doing because it's like I said, you can listen to waiting for love also in the next 10 years but you won't listen to a cover that's re remade now in the current sound yeah. in five years again because then it's literally gone and yeah i love the way you put that tattoo artists because i think you're so right and it's it's like sometimes i have to catch myself because i don't want to get too like negative and and it's not even like i don't like it i enjoy tech house i enjoy find discovering new artists and i think there are plenty of awesome artist um i'm a big lane yeah i'm a big lane eight fan um i'm not sure if you know like melodic house but he's like yeah, my, yeah i know he's him. like yeah so he's great but i think what you bring up when you bring up the point of like some artists are kind of it seems like they're just changing just to do whatever's the hottest like it's like this artist who was a like i'm, I'm gonna call out and i and i love galantis but like they seem to just be like asking their fans, like, what genre do you want us to make? It's like, well, yeah, I kind of want or, you to or, make. Or what brings the most money? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of like, well, why don't you guys create like what made and not to be like too nostalgic. And I had a conversation on the podcast about the Swedish House Mafia album uh, yeah. because, you know, I had mixed thoughts on it. And I think at first I was very upset that it didn't sound like one or it didn't sound like Don't You Worry Child. 
but I do think some change for some artists is brave. I think it's, it's, it takes a lot to kind of deviate away from a sound, but I also think sticking to roots is super important too. And that's why again, your your music's awesome. I also support that in a, um, yeah, like a big way because when Avicii changed his sound from levels to going into folk and wake me up, everybody hated it. And then everybody started loving it. But uh, what I kind of miss on a Swedish house album, you don't hear them anymore. Like, because in wake me up, you still gonna know it's gonna be an Avicii song. Even you never heard of that musical genre because you have that drop with the typical Avicii's and it, it sounds so much like an Avicii melody and he changed his music all over the years, but you could, all the time you could hear that this music like is from him 100%. And I think Swedish Housemaster on their on the new album you can't hear it anymore. Like yeah. I couldn't say who this artist is and that's what I'm kind of missing. Like yeah. I support changing changing the musical direction and mixing genres but I just don't hear that distinctive sound anymore and that's like why I also it- was disappointed. Yeah, I, I think I think that was a great way to put it. And I've been having like tough time getting the words of like how I feel about it because it's good music. It's great, but it's just missing like that connection of like, oh, this is Swedish House Mafia for me personally. So so I completely agree. I do have a question for you, a dream collab for you in terms of and I know you've worked with a lot of people, um, but what would be like a dream collab for you on a song? It can be an artist, maybe a singer, um, a, mu- a musician, or another producer that you would love to work with? It probably would be Mumford and Sons to to like work with them or Lumineers. Just like, oh, if you're so going to be in a studio with them, you just take away every electronic stuff and you're going to record everything from scratch. If, if it's like the drums, the piano, and you don't like, you're, you're literally not on a PC on the, or like on a computer for the whole songwriting process, which could be so cool. And I think, if I would have the chance uh, to work with them, it would sound super, super fresh because yeah. it would go like a little bit away from EDM and you would still have that sound in a drop or something. But I think this would be my my musical dream to to like have the chance to work with them. 100%. That'd be so good. Um, when you record um, a little bit about just like your recording process and I guess songwriting process, are you primarily recording on actual instruments? Is it more on uh through daws and and whatever um software you use to create music because your sound does have like such a raw instrument feel to it yeah so i actually always like hire um instrumentalists like for playing the fiddle for playing the guitar for playing the trumpets because i i can't do it on myself or by myself i i just can't make the music on the um on the computer i can i can write melodies and all that stuff i can write chord progressions but it's like super important for me that if I have like a fiddle player going on, I don't take a plugin to repre- reproduce that sound because in my opinion, you can reproduce it. It's also on the banjo, like from Breakable, we hired uh, a banjo player, we hired an acoustic player, we hired a trumpet player. There were like so many people involved in the whole process. And like, that's how I mostly work. Like I yeah. don't, if I, if I work on a song on a demo, I take like plugins to lay out a certain, a certain structure. But if I'm going to release it, I'm 100% going to hire a guitar player because he's a professional player. Mm-hmm. I could do it by myself, but it wouldn't sound that good. So I hire people that play plays it for me. Yeah. Well, you bring up Unbreakable and I would love to pick your brain and kind of find out. So for those listening, Unbreakable, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in my eyes, Unbreakable was always one of those Avicii IDs that he would play at his set and you would hear yeah. during his show. 
Um, it's an incredible vocal and it was an incredible song. And then after his death, obviously there was the post homus uh, or, you know, post homus or however you say it album um, where they came out with a lot of songs and then it, guys like Kygo would get the rights to certain songs that, you know, maybe he played or Nicky Romero, whatever it was. And Unbreakable landed in your lap uh, and you released it on your bunt. And it's an incredible song. I was just listening to it this morning on my walk to get coffee. Um, what, like, tell, talk about that process. How did that song get to you and, and that vocal get to you? It's like such a long, long story. I remember it was probably in 2014 like i think like two years before avici played it live we got the demo by my manager because like my manager's nick croft and he was the a and r for avici's album true and also like a couple of years after that so he connects so he connected tim with different artists sent him demos and all that stuff and we got the demo unbreakable and i remember i can actually send it to you the demo and when i listened to it i was like dude, this song is, is insane. Like, because, because it was just the e-guitar in his voice, nothing produced, and you all, already knew it. this song is going to be insane. So we worked on it, and my manager said at that point, like, I had a former manager at Interscope, like the guy who is from Boston, and he's in, he said, like, get the production right, but it's going to be super, super hard to get it, because if I'm going to send out your production back to the songwriters, because at that time we had probably, like, 50,000 monthly listeners, like they want to earn money in the end. If, and if they're going to see you, you really like, you're not going to uh, convince them with your monthly listeners. You have to convince them with your music production. And we said it out. We never heard back. And we're like thinking like, yeah, maybe we're going to like in the, in the upcoming months, we're going to have more listeners. And then we also convince them on that side. And I think at Ultra Music Festival, he premiered it. And I didn't, I didn't know that he was playing. And my manager called me in the morning. So I was like, guys watch a clip and Avicii played Unbreakable it's like no way he also worked on the demo because we have no clue that he worked on it also on Crocodile yeah. Tears I was like damn but on the one side we weren't sad because like our favorite idol is like worked on a song is probably going to release their version so yeah. it's like that is absolutely fine and nobody has the rights uh, onto the song it's just like because I think Unbreakable like so many producers had the demo laying around they were probably doing their versions of the song so Avicii did it and we thought like, okay, this song is gone because from a perspective of a songwriter, I would give my demo to Avicii all the time because I know this song is going to be well-produced. It's going to be going to have like a lot of streaming. It's going to bring me money. So um, for us at that time, it was like, okay, the track is gone. Avicii going to have it. I'm going to have it. And then when he passed away, this song was like laying around for two or three years. And it was just like weird for us to ask for this song again. Because we knew if we're going to release it, it's going to be people are going to support it. But there will also be people that, that say like, oh, you're going to take advantage of his death because the song is already on YouTube. And now we're going to use it. And nobody believed us that we have the demo for like years laying around. But then we asked our manager, yo, can you like um, hit them up again? The songwriters, Clarence Coffey Jr. and Sarah Hudson, Mark Nillen. Can you ask them if the demo is still open? They said like, yeah. And then we worked on it. And then they said like... Um, you can actually um, release the song. And that's like how we got Unbreakable in the end. And yeah, it's like a long, long story. I that's think. amazing. It's like the song is like six or seven years from, I can, I can actually send it the first version that we had. It's, it yeah, was close awesome. to the one that we had, but it's, it's so old, so old. 
So it was just a demo floating around that you guys worked on. And then that got in the hands of Avicii and then he ended yeah. up playing it. And you guys it was must- also with Crocodile Tears, like our manager sent us the demo. It was only the first verse, uh, only the first verse, the chorus, there was no second verse. And we got it. And he said, like, this song is cool. You should work on it. We're like, yeah, we're going to do it. And then randomly, nobody of us knew that Avicii worked on it too. And then we saw, um, then I posted it on stories, just just my production on stories where I was like hiking in Switzerland and people were spamming me. No way you're going to release Crocodile Tears. I was like, why do you know this song? And then someone sent me a clip of an like 11 second clip where Avicii was in the studio with, um, oh, how is this Kai Gold again? And no, no, no. He was part of the, um, of the song Hold with Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zero. Alex Abbott. Okay. I think he was in the studio with Alex Abbott and working on Crocodile Tears and we had no idea again. Wow. And then um, that's like how it worked out. And we knew, okay, the song, because Avicii wasn't part of the songwriting. So it's literally an open demo who everybody could work on. And that's how we ended up having the song. Because then we asked, is this demo now still open because Avicii worked on it? And he's like, and they were like, no, he's not planning to release it. So it's yeah. like, okay, then we should probably put it out because it would yeah. be a shame if this demo would just be laying around because yeah. someone was putting up an 11 second clip of him working on a version it would be so sad because yeah. imagine nobody would bring out unbreakable the song would be gone now nobody would yeah. ever release it which would be so sad yeah yeah it's it, it's it's crazy the avici fan base uh is all over any and all content that is out there of unreleased songs Five sec, five second clips of you know melodies and and they make remixes out of a five second video that's and, like a tattoo artist at his it, finest like exactly people go so crazy which i love i yes. absolutely love it and and it's so awesome you're so right that these songs at least some of them have have came up to life through other artists through through remixes or whatever it might be um couple last questions I have for you just that I'm, I'm interested in. Do you have like a dream venue or a dream festival or dream concert uh, that you would want to play? Yeah, well, like for me, it would be Red Rocks, the amphitheater yeah. in, yeah. in California, because just like the scenery. It's actually in Colorado. So well to the music. Yeah. Oh, it's in Colorado. Oh, Colorado, okay, yeah. Sorry. No, don't worry. Um, it's incredible. I was just there two weeks ago. Or have you been ago. there? I just saw how is it? like, how was, how was the scenery there with all the mountains, yeah, right? And, the, and like a desert feeling. Oh my gosh, Levi. It's, it's, I, I've talked about this on a couple episodes. I literally went three weeks ago. Um, I saw Galantis there with Blau. Um, and it's unlike anything you've ever just, you walk yeah. in and it's, it's like something chiseled out of like heaven. It's like, you know, it doesn't feel like you're on, doesn't feel like you're on in like real life. Um, the sound yeah. is amazing. And, um it it's your it just has beautiful. like that natural reverb right yeah it's yeah like, it's oh, incredible God. because i saw like a live video of mumford and sons like a live concert where they were playing at red rocks and was just like this music or like this folk genre fits so well to how the whole venue looks like so it will yeah. be a dream come true there's actually no no motivation for me to play at tomorrowland i don't know in some way it doesn't catch me because it's i don't know it doesn't because I don't feel that much connected to EDM. I see myself more in between, and I feel like Red Rocks would be the perfect venue for that. With yeah. bringing in probably like I don't know, I would bring in so many instrumentalists: fiddle player, guitar player, keyboard player, drum players, and all that. Yeah. It would be like a super insane live show. Cool. But yeah, that will be a dream come true. 
Yeah, I think like the Tomorrowlands and, and the EDCs, and I love watching them. And I grew up like like you said, like I would just go to YouTube and I would just watch set after set. And I feel like they've lost their luster a little bit, maybe because of like the live stream, the fact that you can like catch it live and and yeah. like and also just maybe this the nature of the festivals have changed. One last question or two last questions. Um, your tour with Griffin. I'm a huge Griffin fan. Um, hey, talk like. I'm, it looks like I was looking at the tour poster that you put up. It looked like you were on almost every show. Yeah, I think we we, we only missed like two shows. Yeah, but but go on. I think. Well, well, yeah. You. What was that like? Because that was your first time coming to a uh, touring America, correct? Yeah, it was it was an insane and super weird feeling because at that time we never played a show. So it was like Nico and I at that time, and we never played a show. So the only feedback that you got on your music was from your manager, from your family and from friends and from mm -hmm. people that you see on the, uh, on the internet. Because everybody was supporting me, but it's in the end, it's just like, oh, I read a YouTube comment with somebody saying, I love your music, but you never had that personal connection. Yeah, And then you are on the show and like people holding up their phones. I just came from you. Oh my God, this is you. And I was like, okay, there are actually real people here that just came for you playing music. And you feel like that random guy who's sitting at home trying to find good melodies. And now yeah. you suddenly have people in front of you that say you're one of my favorite artists. So it was very, very weird. And it's just like a different world because after our show, the Knox were playing and after the Knox, Griffin was playing. Yeah. So after our show, we said like, yo, let's meet at a bar and Nico and I are gonna be there and we can talk about it. And there were literally people started wow. to cry when they saw us. It was like, this is, there was like a moment where you know, okay, you you are doing the right thing. And it took, yeah. took so many years to be at that point, but it just felt unreal. And we have like a guy and he was, I think he was at, more than 10 shows he just took a flight every time we played at a different venue wow. he was in the front row he didn't dance he was just like looking it was like yeah, yeah next show you're gonna be also there and it was <laughs> weird like people have like self-made bunt merch and all that stuff yeah it's, it was just amazing it was just amazing well you're again i think a big part of your music and your sound is just the nature in which it channels that like feeling that people would get when they would listen to an avici song like i know yeah. for myself like I've been listening to your your album a lot recently and I've been going on runs and I'll just find myself like getting that same like feeling in my stomach or feeling in my heart that like I Im immediately brings me back to like hearing an Avicii song. So yeah. um, I love your music and I, I am a huge fan. I will continue to obviously be on the lookout for what you're doing. And I guess we can wrap it up with like, what is like next for Bunt? Um, you just came out with an album last month um are you touring is there mu new music coming what's what's kind of uh up next um so i probably as i said i'm probably gonna stick to the same genre so i so i will be in the in the folk scene again i'm just trying to go a little bit more acoustic than i did before so i want to take it like a further step that people because my 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 thoughts on that is when i'm gonna play at a festival people should be pissed off me because mm -hmm. i'm gonna have a two minute banjo intro but people are like what is this guy doing over there and i want to keep it like doing it even more extreme than i did now so we're gonna have more um more acoustic elements in it in it more weird instruments that are not very um like asked in the pop scene right now so um that on the musical side and on playing shows 
I think my biggest fan base is probably in the States. So I plan to do a live show in Los Angeles in like July or August. But my work wow. visa expired in April this year. So because of Corona, I, I was in the United States and I... I thought like, oh, maybe they let they like can shift my visa in that time where I wasn't there, but I didn't. So I first have to get my visa back to play a show in LA. But I also gonna plan to to like do a show here in Germany. But I have no idea if I have a fan base here. I literally don't know it. So yeah, what I wow. plan is to do a show maybe like um also in July and August here in Hamburg in my in my town. And just like announce it and see who's gonna come or not but i'm probably gonna do one here because i think i have to start um play live shows because so many yeah. people are asking me when do you come to the states when you're gonna play a live show and i think if this aspect is missing it's so so tough to like really get into it more because i yeah. think if i'm waiting for a big hit with 200 million streams you're never gonna do a live show then i think at some point yeah. you have to start even if it's smaller venues but um yeah i definitely plan to do it this year yeah, you should. Live shows are so uh, there's not enough in in the music in the dance music scene specifically. I yeah. think they're so in incredibly unique, and when you see them, whether it's Porter Robinson or Griffin or Forrester's a, a duo that I like out of California, and and ah uh, yeah, I think yeah. they're uh, Forrester, isn't that Kygo's label signed to? Yeah, yeah okay, yeah, ah, I know them. Yeah, so. Um, live shows i think are are much needed so i if you ever want to come to boston i can i don't have any power I'm but so I'll, 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 i will do anything i can to get you i'll set you up on my i'll set you up on my patio and we can just have a show um <laughs> but levi i really appreciate you talking to me man this was super fun um like i said i'm a huge fan and and everything you do is just awesome to listen to and awesome to follow so thanks so much for coming on a lot thank you so much for having me Awesome. This was Bunt. This was episode 26 of the XU podcast. Um, I'll post all your socials and everything and where people can find you in, in the show notes. But um, had a blast, man. Thank you. Thank you. And final words from my side. Melodies first, money second. That's Let's it. go. Mic drop. <laughs> we'll end on that. All right, everybody. XU podcast. Check it out. Bye.